0: Let's go out with something really hot for these folks. A big hit out of 77.
1: Ah, Star Wars. Nothing but Star Wars. About that nutty Star Wars bar, can you forget all the creatures in there? And hey, Darth Vader in that black and evil mask, did he scare you as much as he scared me? Ah! Star Wars! Those here in Star Wars, my seventh winner up here, Star Wars! Who? be Normal. Broadcasting from the backwoods of Fayette County, Pennsylvania, and encouraging better living through bad movies, Clockwork Cardiac Productions presents Abnormal State Theater. Don't try to escape your can. I must apologize for the inconvenience. There is no way out of here, because all you of Earth are idiots. And now please welcome theater curator and host of these broadcasts, Mr. Ryan Nicklow.
0: Hello, folks. My name is Ryan and welcome to episode number nine of Abnormal State Theater, the podcast where we analyze the therapeutic value of bizarre films of past and present as a cure for the common movie. First and foremost, um, I'd like to lead this episode off with some news. Um, First up, after this episode, the show is going away for a while. I'm putting it on hiatus until July And I know you're probably thinking, well, what's the difference? You hardly post once every three or four months anyway. This is true. And what I'm hoping to do is avoid that um, starting the middle of this year. So the show is going to go on hiatus until about mid-July. I'm gonna give it a bit of an overhaul. Um, Most elements of the show are still gonna be there and recognizable, but organizationally, things are going to be totally different. Uh, The changes I'm making, I can't take full credit for myself. Um, I got some really good ideas from a few different places, including F-13 with Cinema Diabolica and Duncan McLeish with the 10,000 podcasts he seems to have going on at any given time. Basically, going forward, or going forward from July anyway... Abnormal State Theater will be organized into themed seasons of between 8 and 10 episodes apiece, with uh, possibly a break of a month or two in between, might run some one-offs between seasons, that sort of thing. The reason for the hiatus is to get as many episodes as possible in the can. Ideally, a whole season's worth. Um, so, that starting in July, I can drop them into the feed once a month without interruption, an and this will give me time then to work on the next season so there won't be any massive interruption. So, um, between now and about mid July, I'm gonna be watching, taking notes, recording, and editing like a madman. Um, basically, my life, you know, is still really busy with other stuff. But I'm going to try to cram as much of my spare time as I can into producing these episodes. Now, the the little mini-sodes, the short takes as I call them, although that name may change, will continue. Uh, the hiatus will not affect them. Now, the first nine episodes of Abnormal State Theater, including this one, the ones that have come out over the past couple of years sort of willy-nilly, are going to be classified now as Season Zero. Uh, Kind of, sort of, as a nod to the original KTMA episodes of Mystery Science Theater 3000, which were counted the same way. Um, Sort of the time period where the show is just kind of finding its voice. um, Sort of fitting with this show as well. The theme of the official Season 1 is going to be Star Wars Knockoffs. Uh, those films in the late 70s, early 80s that basically went to ride the coattails of the frenzy for science fiction that was touched off by the release of Star Wars in 1977. If all goes well, um, Season 1, Episode 1, and all following episodes will be hosted on Podbean. In the process of setting an account up there and building a new page for the podcast to call home, I'll try to keep you posted in the shortcakes as to how well that goes. In other news, the month of April is shaping up to be a big one for sci-fi fans. On Friday, April 14th, the revived Mystery Science Theater 3000, starring Jonah Ray, Felicia Day, and Patton Oswalt will be making its debut on Netflix.
1: You speak to I, Kinga Forrester, commander of the Moon 13 Research Station. I am reopening my family's most legendary experiment, Mystery Science Theater 3000. We'll in the hole!
0: I know there are many Mysties out there that are arranging viewing parties and so on. I, for one, will be enjoying it um, at home by myself, dressed as TV's Frank. And the very next night, April 15th, will be the first episode of series 10 of Doctor Who.
1: Get ready. This is the moment you've been waiting for since the day you were born. Now go, Bill, with me to the target.
0: This will be Peter Capaldi's last series as the 12th Doctor. It'll also be uh, Pearl Mackey's first series as his new companion, uh, Bill Potts. Uh, I'm not sure if she will be continuing on after Capaldi leaves. There's a lot of speculation now as to who the next Doctor will be. Some are saying it's going to be a woman. Some are really upset about that. Me, I could care less. As far as I'm concerned, it's all Doctor Who. And with all that out of the way, we'll be getting into this episode's movie after this brief message.
1: We're lost. My fault, but you... No! Neither! Food? Yes. Crunchy food. C-3PO's. New Kellogg's C-3PO's. Twin rings, phased together for a crunchy new force at breakfast. Yeah, the force is with us. A delicious part of this nutritious breakfast. I'm of course. How much? Yeah! Oh, my. C-3PO's. A new force at breakfast.
0: It's no secret that I've been on a bit of a Star Wars kick these past few months, um, ever since the release of Rogue One, really. But I never thought it would take me down a rabbit hole like the one I'm about to describe to you. I recently read about a fan edit of Episode 4, aka the original Star Wars from 1977, that I knew I had to check out. Now, typically when you're talking Star Wars fan edits, you're usually talking about the numerous attempts by fans to make the prequels more palatable. Uh, I've never seen any of these myself, but um, I'm well aware of them. I'm talking about such um, efforts as the Phantom Edit, where, among other things, Jar Jar Binks's more idiotic antics Excuse Me and the references to midichlorians are removed from Episode 1. Um, or the Editor Strikes Back version, where the actor Topher Grace, no kidding, boiled down the entire prequel trilogy to an 85-minute cut that concentrates on Anakin's character arc without getting bogged down by trade disputes and political mumbo-jumbo and cutesy but useless characters. Yes, I'm looking at you, Jar Jar, again.
1: I would. <laughs>
0: But what we're going to talk about now isn't an edit designed to improve a movie, but more to answer a question of what if. Essentially, what if, instead of being backed by a major studio, Star Wars was backed by a company like, say, Canon Films or New World Pictures or American International and released to the drive-ins and grindhouses as a bit of low-budget sleaze. It's not that far-fetched an idea when you learn that the very thing almost happened to the movie Alien. At the time that Dan O'Bannon and Ron Shusett were shopping the idea around to the studios, sci-fi wasn't really an attractive genre. It was still in the mid-70s and things hadn't taken off yet. And as a result, the screenplay was almost sold to Roger Corman at New World Pictures. But when Star Wars made sci-fi a hot property again, it was scooped up at the last minute by 20th Century Fox. You have to wonder how different a movie it would have been under the auspices of Roger Corman. Some might say that the film Galaxy of Terror answers that question, but we're not talking about that movie here. So let's set the same scenario up for the original Star Wars. What if George Lucas didn't have a champion at a major studio like he had in real life with uh, the original Star Wars in the form of Alan Ladd Jr. at 20th Century Fox. What if he'd shot his idea around to the major studios, nobody would take it. So finally he knuckled under and got the backing of a low budget studio, but at the cost of some creative control. In 2011 an editor with the alias, the man behind the mask, set out to present a possible answer. He used a 16 millimeter print of the original cut, as well as deleted scenes, documentary footage, and even a fan film set in the same period as his basis. The footage was digitally aged and damaged a la Robert Rodriguez to give it a grindhousy feel. Large portions of John Williams original score were replaced by popular music of the 70s. And many familiar scenes and sequences are either truncated, reordered, or cut out entirely. And as a final touch, uh, the man behind the mask took the name Star Wars and ran it through the B-movie naming device of what I call the insert your favorite term describing a conflict of the insert your favorite term describing the plural of a certain celestial body. So in the tradition of War of the Worlds or Alley Fight of the Quasars or Bar Brawl of the Gas Giants, this gets changed to War of the Stars. Now there's no trailer for this edit so I'm just going to give you a few clips that indicate these editing changes as I descend to the screening chamber.
1: Next 90 seconds, while this preview of coming attractions is playing, will all filmgoers with any degree of wit, taste, and intelligence please keep your critical remarks to yourselves? Or we'll nail your tongues to the floor. Thank you. 17,000. Those guys must really be desperate. This can really save my neck. Get back to the ship and get her ready. He's going somewhere, so. Yes, Greedo. As a matter of fact, I was just going to see your boss. Tell Jabba that I've got his money. But it's too late. I'm not going back to Jabba with another one of your stories. Yeah, but this time I've got the money. Then I'll take it back. Over my dead body. <laughs> that is the idea, Samuel. Now you come outside with me. Or well, must I finish it here. <laughs> I don't think they'd like another killing anymore. They've hardly noticed.
0: word different remember what I said earlier this was not an edit designed to improve the original film so I didn't expect it to look good at all in this regard it didn't disappoint the print looks like it's been salvaged from the smoking crater of Jedha city and there are portions of it that are washed out to the point of being outright black and white of course this could have simply been intentional in order for the editor to blend footage from different quality sources But in any case, it's not a major distraction because it's something we expect from a grindhouse film. These were not daintily handled as they made their way from drive-in to drive-in or among the 42nd street theaters where uh, these sorts of movies circulated. What is a little more disconcerting, though, is the film's opening, which is entirely different from the established Star Wars introduction we've come to know and love. On the plus side, it makes use of footage that had been cut from the original, including the footage where we get to see Luke's other friends on Tatooine. Oh, I almost forgot. There's a battle going on right here in our system. Not again! Come Forget on. it! What's all the noise about? Right? down here, play the game. I think
1: Wormy's cut too much sun.
0: Including Biggs Darklider, who later gets shot out of the sky over the Death Star.
1: I didn't come back just to say goodbye. I shouldn't tell you this, but you're the only one I can trust. See, I may never come back and I just want someone to know. What are you talking about? I made some friends at the Academy. When our frigate leaves for one of the central systems, we're going to jump ship and join the Alliance. The Rebellion? Quiet though. you got a mouth bigger than a meteor. I'm quiet, I'm quiet! Listen to how quiet I am, you can barely hear
0: me. On the minus side, after seeing this footage, we can understand why it was cut in the first place. It's very talky, doesn't really serve any major purpose toward the plot, and kind of brings the movie to a complete stop. We also get a little taste of what I like to call Star Wars Tarantino style. Man, look at the big brain on Obi-Wan Kenobi. When Princess Leia's ship is captured and boarded by the Empire we have the bullet hits uh, and blood spatters digitally added to the fighting. Now, we've been conditioned to think of fighting using blasters and lasers and lightsabers and what have you as being very clean and bloodless and almost antiseptic since the heat of the hits would tend to cauterize the wounds, there wouldn't be much bleeding. But now let's think about what someone at say AIP would have to say you know, imagine some cigar chomping Samuel Z. Arkov type in the screening room looking at the dailies and saying something along the lines of, what is this? Hop along, Cassidy? Squeaky clean doesn't get the butts in the seats. Let's get some blood on that white armor.
1: This war stuff spooks them. When we come in, POW! The main event. Oh, yeah.
0: And just like that, the science of sci-fi combat gets chucked out the window. The musical changes also do a great deal to alter the tone of the story. Instead of this little ditty playing in the cantina, we get this. along with a little bit of cleverly edited Neil Young concert footage that includes a guitarist in costume as a Jawa. And when Luke discovers that the Empire has massacred his family, instead of hearing this... This kicks in. Going to spoil what gets played at the medal ceremony at the end. It's not this. But I'm not going to tell you what it is because I will not suffer alone. And speaking of sound editing, they have a lot of fun dubbing James Earl Jones' dialogue from other movies into the Vader scenes.
1: I don't know what you're talking about. I'm a member of the Imperial Senate on a diplomatic mission to Alderaan. You broke into my house, stole my property, murdered my servants, and my pets, and that is what grieves me the most. Take it away!
0: It's very reminiscent of the brilliant Vader Sessions videos you can still find on YouTube, but I have to give the man behind the mask some credit here for showing restraint. That could have gone all the way to its own little side trip.
1: What do you want? We count 30 rebel ships, Little Vader, but they're so small they're evading our turbo lasers. You've been out of your mind for the last three and a half hours. Just sit down before you fall down. Guys, come in here. We'd like to maintain the current level of black representation on the committee, so let's go for a stroll.
0: All of this being said, there is still definitely some thought evident in how the story is streamlined and edited here there was effort made to keep this film as self-contained as possible. Listen, for instance, to this clip, in which in its original form is quite familiar to all Star Wars fans. You
1: fought in the Clone Wars? Yes. I was once a Jedi Knight. Which reminds me, I have something here for you. But your uncle wouldn't allow it. It appeared you might follow old Obi-Wan on some damn fool idealistic crusade. What is it? This is the weapon of a Jedi Knight. Not as clumsy or random as a blaster. An elegant weapon, but a more civilized age. For over a thousand generations, the Jedi Knights were the guardians of peace and justice in the old Republic, before the dark times, before the Empire. A young Jedi named Darth Vader, who was a pupil of mine until he turned to evil, helped the Empire hunt down and destroy the Jedi Knights. Vader was seduced by the dark side of the Force.
0: Did you know that all references to Luke's father and his own Jedi heritage have been cut out? Which means there's no need for sequels or prequels to flesh out the story arc of Anakin Skywalker. Because in this version of the movie, Anakin Skywalker is not in the picture at all. And during the final Death Star Trench run, there is a twist created by some really artful editing that will change the way you look at Luke Skywalker. That is all I'm saying. Really, the biggest problem with this grindhouse edit of Star Wars is that when all is said and done, no amount of film damage or soundtrack fun and games can mask the big budget evident in the sets and the special effects. Star Wars was made for $11 million, or about $45.5 million adjusting for inflation today and that money is clearly visible on the screen in the final product. It was not squandered. Now, a low-budget film can be made to look more sumptuous and expensive with some skill and good budget management. Uh, Many Hammer films, for instance, look far more expensive than they really were. But you can't really achieve the reverse. If your movie looked big-budget to begin with, you're not going to be able to take that value away from the finished product. I mean, I suppose you could CGI stuff out of the movie and then cover the scenes with digital film damage, but wouldn't that just cost more time, money, and effort? I'm not going to go over what I learned watching this one, because at its core, it's still Star Wars, and we all know the story by now. All the same though, I am glad I watched this version. Even though ultimately it fails in what it sets out to do, it still makes for an interesting experiment. And it's definitely worth at least one watch for most Star Wars fans. And for that, it gets a pass into the Abnormal State Archives. can check out War of the Stars on Vimeo. If you just go to vimeo.com and type in War of the Stars, it ought to come up. I'll see if I can include the URL in the show notes. So that does it for season 0 episode 9 of Abnormal State Theater. I will see you all again in about the middle of July with a fresh batch of episodes. Not quite sure which uh, Star Wars ripoff will be leading off the season, but I promise to make it as enjoyable as possible, or as painless as possible, I suppose. So, until then, this is Ryan Nicklow of Abnormal State Theater signing off and reminding you to watch some abnormal films because normal is boring. See you next
1: time. Watch out for snakes. You have been listening to a Clockwork Cardiac production.